All right, so I have 10 o'clock Eastern, so let's get started with the session. Um, before we get started, I'm going to be muting the conference line aside from our speaker, so please hold for a second while I do that. The conference is now in silent mode. All right, Sky, can you speak real quick to test? Yeah, can you hear me okay? Yes, I can. All right, great. Okay. okay. Well, um, oh, I'll, I'll give you a quick introduction before we begin. All right, so I'd first like to thank everyone for dialing into this SMA space speaker session entitled Outer Space in the Media Space, Russian and Chinese News Media Presentations of the Commercialization and Militarization of the Space Domain. And especially thank our speaker, Dr. Sky Cooley, for taking the time to present today. And I'd also like to thank the co-authors of, of this SMA space report that may chime in uh, during the Q&A session, Dr. Randy Kluver and Dr. Ethan Stokes. So hopefully everyone that dialed in received their, bio, their biographies, uh, their final report, and their slides. And if you haven't received these materials, feel free to email me and I'll send those over to you. So now I'm briefly going to uh, introduce Sky before I turn the floor over to him today. Dr. Sky Cooley is an assistant professor in the School of Media and Strategic Communications at Oklahoma State University. And his research interests are Russian political communication, global media, and digital democracy, as well as civic deliberation online, and, has, and he has also traveled actively through Europe, Latin America, Asia, and Africa while publishing and presenting research on international political communication. So, Sky, I'll turn the floor over to you now. Thank you so much. And I'd like to thank uh, Dr. Kubayan, Allison, George, Nicole, and, and everyone in the SMA team for their insights and contributions to the overall space project and for setting up the talk. And for all of you who dialed in, thank you as well. It's really a great honor for me to speak with you. I've had so many opportunities to listen to great speakers in the few years that I've been working with the SMA. I do not promise to be one of those great speakers, but I do promise that I have timed this talk out meticulously, and we should finish this on time. Um, so I want to note here, before we get started, that I have gratuitously peppered this presentation intentionally uh, with science fiction references. And that may seem silly to you at first, and while it's largely meant to provide levity, I do want you to pay attention to those references and stories, how they connect you to the presentation, or make you feel disconnected if you don't understand them. They serve to illustrate part of the point of this presentation, which is that through shared media story, we can feel as if we know something about others and ourselves. And so we can go to the first slide now. Uh, just real quick, just an overview. I'm going to set up a little bit to talk about the importance of narrative and story. I don't want to belabor it and get too far into the academic side, but I did feel like it was important to set up um, the rest of our study. I'll talk briefly about our methodology and refer you over to the full report and the appendices. Uh, and then we'll get into the Russian news media story of outer space, the Chinese news media, uh, media story of outer space. I'll talk about the content analysis work that we did for this project, and then we'll talk about the conclusions and then take questions. So we can move over to the next slide. So our findings, unlike most of the other teams on this project and speakers you've heard, are not necessarily based on any tangible reality out in the real world. And as a clarification, what I mean by that is that we offer in our analyses our insights into people's perceptions of reality. In dealing with media, this perception is formed inside the complex dynamic of the human brain. And the consequences of that perceived reality rest mainly in how a given consumer of media is able to process understand and accept the images put before them in relation to their own environmental context. So from this individual-centered, constructivist perspective of reality, 
no truth really exists in society beyond that with which individuals can construct and subsequently agree on. So, as an example, I might see the oversized 64-ounce foam containers at a gas station as both a cup for a beverage and a way to test the thresholds of the human bladder, while someone else might understand those same foam containers to be used as an instrument to start a very non-eco-friendly fire. And my year-and-a-half-year-old daughter absolutely sees those same containers as a hat. She'll walk around the house with one on her head. Um, but for any type of societal truth to emerge as to what these containers are and what their purpose is, we must have some shared understanding as a basis for mutual agreement. And human beings understand and process the world through story. We don't do it through facts and figures or even logic. And storytelling is common to every known culture. We learn to negotiate this exchange between teller and listener in infancy. And just as the brain detects patterns in the visual field to find a face or a flower if you look in a cloud, in sound, the brain detects patterns in information. Stories become recognizable patterns with their narrative parts. And in those patterns, we create meaning. Stories are so central to the way we understand the world around us that more than likely, even right now, you're telling yourself a story in your mind. You're forming a narrative to yourself about maybe the odd start to this presentation and coming to conclusions about how you hope it will end on time as promised. Or you're crafting a story of what you're going to do when you get home today or about some past event that happened yesterday or this morning. And these stories are important. We remember information better through story. We create mental shortcuts through story. And stories are a way for human beings to find patterns until they have control over the chaos and randomness of the world. Most importantly, we use these stories to make sense of our world, our place in the world, and to exchange and share that understanding with others to create truth. Uh, and we can go to the next slide. In a world of immersive media technologies, uh, this has an increased role, or media has an increased role in the formation of the stories we use to make sense of the world. Modern media consumption is largely non-discursive, self-selected, and more often than not, reinforcement of one's pre-existing viewpoints, values, social positions, and cultural perspectives. Some scholars have argued that this has led us to a post-truth media universe, but from our perspective, these changes toward media immersion across the globe simply places a stronger emphasis on the impact media can have when they tell a good story. And crafting a good story in our current information environment is the ultimate weaponization of information, because ultimately, it can alter our perception of what is and isn't real. As the lives of the citizens around the world increasingly become more non-discursive, non-interactive, and simultaneously more media-driven, what is truth is less and less a product of exchange and more product of the stories to which we're exposed through media. The stories with the most significant impact on worldview have common strategic narrative elements. They offer us clarity, legitimacy of action, promise of success. They're consistent or at least lack strong narrative counterpositions, and they fit within a larger social and cultural tradition. It's not surprising then that states with more control over media systems have significant advantages in harnessing and weaponizing these narrative elements to further the goals of the state. But, while an advantage over open media systems in some senses, there are several disadvantages that are important for the purposes of the remainder of this presentation. First, narrative elements of the stories being told are not instantly interchangeable. And second, the range of possible actions the state can take concerning any item in the news 
becomes constricted by the limited understanding of its citizens. The story, the narrative element that's comprised of, can become like a box, reining in the possibilities of the state in relation to the reactions of its citizens. So if you'll go to the next slide, um, I'll talk a little bit about our methodology and some of our previous work. For this study, our team analyzed news media presentations related to the space domain in Russian and Chinese news media from September 2017 to April 2018. That's where we really did the, the bulk of the data pool. But we also went back and looked at uh, government-issued documents related to outer space going all the way back to 2014. And we did this to provide context for ourselves to how these nations talk about outer space. We pulled over 1,700 articles related to the space domain from 36 various news stories in both Russian and Chinese news media, as well as three government sources. We then hand-coded and analyzed 701 of these articles, looking for strategic narrative elements, as well as applying a quantitative descriptive code to directly address the questions that the SMA group was presented with. And if we go to the next slide. Our source selection, um, I just want to talk about this because uh, we always get this question. Um, our source selection attempts to capture the, the full spectrum of conversations taking place across the news media of each nation. So we include pro-government uh, sources and government-sponsored news sources. We also include uh, news sources that claim to be uh, neutral or at least uh, or, or objective. And we also include news stories that propose uh, to be oppositional sources from both broadcast and web-based news sources. Our team includes advanced language speakers for both nations under study, along with researchers who've devoted significant portions of their career studying and publishing findings on these nations. Um, also, these findings build on four years of analysis of these nations on other SMA-related projects. So while we didn't know a whole lot about outer space coming in, although I uh, am a huge science fiction fan, uh, we knew a lot about the media coverage uh, coming from these nations from a host of other projects. Um, and those projects we're happy to share with you guys if anyone's interested in the previous work that we've done. So now having discussed the importance of narrative and story to our perceptions of reality and gone through the methodology, uh, let me say here that our work is an attempt to peek inside the narrative boxes of the stories created through news media's media of these nations. And so now, ladies and gentlemen, without further introduction today, what I'm going to do is tell you two stories about outer space. And we can go to the next slide. So before I start on the Russian story, let me say that I am painting with very broad strokes, and I hope that you'll have time to um, look through the full report that we sent out. There are a number of interim reports included in that document that we submitted to the SMA. You'll find those in the appendix, and they give a lot better detail on the project. Uh, but in the interest of literally not boring you to death by going through all of that, um, I'm covering here the general takeaways and constructive narrative stories from the data. So. The Russian story in outer space, as presented in Russian news media, is filled with promises of the future and successful economic ventures through the legitimate actions and historical strength of Russian space innovation and exploration. But there is an ever-present, uncompromising enemy that's attempting to stifle Russia and others in order to conquer space for its own nefarious purposes. And Russia must defend itself and its rights against that enemy. If coverage of the space domain in Russian news media were a Star Wars movie, Russia would be the rebels. We can imagine Vladimir Putin would probably have a green lightsaber and only hope that he would have a Wookiee as a sidekick. And we can go to the next slide. If you look at the chart in front of you, what I'm going to do is break down Russian news media's overall story of the space domain into two broad categories of narrative. 
Then I'm going to discuss the major strategic narratives at play, and I'm going to do the same for the Chinese side later. The overall grand narrative or story of Russia and outer space is that space development is tied to Russian history. It's part of its economic strength and future, and it can, will, and must defend its space capabilities at all costs. There's a real focus on historic pride. It's a critical underlying force of the story. The Soviet space era is so beloved here. It's, it's so fancifully referenced. It's this era of Jedi-like heroes who inform the Russian present and point toward the great things to be accomplished in the future, and these, these heroes are celebrated regularly. The successes of the past and present are proof of the successes yet to come. It's hopeful. If I wanted to really keep going with the Star Wars references, I might say a new hope, uh, but I digress. The commercial narrative components rely on this story to argue that the Russian state is committed to the future. The general notion here is that the state wishes to pave the way through investments for young Russian scientists to have access to the best capabilities possible in order to eventually contribute to emerging space industries. Russians are presented with this really fantastical version of the future. Um, areas that current ha currently have launch services are going to become these amazing new scientific cities, bringing in great minds from all over the world. Russia itself will literally become the nation that others turn to when they wish to venture out into the stars. Rather than being space prospectors in various industries, Russia is to be a vision of technologically advanced outer space service provider of engineers, scientists, and capabilities that others will reach out to for their various space-related uh, initiatives. The military narrative components are also aligned with history. The history of Russia as a superpower and its ever-present historic antagonist, the United States, that is once again taking aim at Russia. Here the U.S. is a bit like the comic book space character Galactus. Uh, I know that most of you are probably not up-to-date with your Fantastic Four comic book canon. Uh, no problem, I will, I will tell you who Galactus is. He's a world-eating, non-negotiable, no-nonsense monster who basically leaves a wake of global destruction wherever he goes. Galactus eats worlds. He conquers them and destroys them. And that's pretty much how we see the U.S. here. As abandoning ballistic middle, missile treaties and attempting to dominate the entire global order by weaponizing the space domain, put everyone under its rule. Russia is trying to cooperate, it's cooperating with others, but the U.S. just refuses to listen to reason. Not just that, the U.S. is dangerous, risking war to maintain its dominance and global agenda. It's putting weapons in space and forcing others to build weapons to defend themselves. And like the evil Galactus, it's more concerned with satisfying its own needs and positions than worrying itself with the consequences that it has on others. But again, we have the promise of hope based on the past. Russia has been here before. Russia is powerful and technologically strong, perhaps, arguably, even superior. And it has learned a lot about going up against the U.S. in this world-conquering way. There are great details of the supposed asymmetrical, affordable, and legal responses Russia has developed to defeat U.S. aggressions in space. And there is great theater in their introductions to the Russian public. Everything from naming missiles to federal assembly speeches demonstrating weapons in graphic detail. This is a fight against the giant to build a prosperous future kind of story that relies on historical strength and lessons learned in order to win. And you can go to the next slide. We also look to specifically outline strategic narratives from Mr. Mom's definitions of issue, national, and international system narratives 
just to add some insight, insights to the story that's being told, and I'll just touch on these uh, briefly for you. So uh, for Russian media, these issue narrative elements related to space mostly center on the U.S. and sort of set up its antagonist role. So, for example, things like President Trump's proposed space force, uh, coverage on reports of U.S. alterations to its nuclear policy, um, the potential of U.S. actions in Syria to lead to nuclear war, and things like how to deal with the U.S. weaponizing space. All of these issues are presented in contrast to Russian defensive actions and want for moderation and compromise. The national narrative elements really drive home the idea that the Russian government is planning ahead by investing in outer space and that one day in the future this is going to pay some great economic dividends for the country. Also, that it can protect itself. There's a lot of national pride that's weaved in here as well, specifically if we talk about uh, weapons development and space launches. And these reinforce this notion of Russia as always having been and being the best when it comes to space and technology, and thus, obviously, it will be so in the future. The international system narrative element, we really see Russia up against the global order run by the U.S. or sometimes it's presented as the U.S. and NATO. Um, but the argument is that the U.S. or the presentation is that the U.S. is trying to lure Russia into a space spending war and building weapons that are a threat to everyone on the planet. Here Russia is shown as issuing warnings and seeking compromise as well as promoting international arms treaties. Next slide. So it's a pretty compelling story uh, to sort good versus evil. You have this smart, agile, learned, and capable underdog who wants this prosperous, forward-thinking future in space, forced to do battle against the threatening giant, out to do harm to Russia, and maybe even the greater population of the world if not put into check. And it has very strong strategic narrative elements here. Um, the setup that you'll see is Sir Dimitri's components for narrative success. And we see that Russia presents, a, and through these news media, there's this clear presentation of purpose as it relates to the space domain. The actions are presented as legitimate, that is to say that they're, they're legal and they abide by normative standards. There's the promise of success. There's a consistency. There are not a whole lot of strong counter-mirrors that pop up even in the oppositional media. And it fits. There's a match with Russian historical space exploration, cultural ingenuity, and this known enemy. So uh, let's go to the next slide, please. So now um, that we've got the Russian story covered, um, let's move from that to the Chinese news media story of outer space. And uh, to keep the science section references coming, I could do this all day, uh, we can think of this story as less of a Star Wars movie and more in terms of the political tension you might see in Game of Thrones. Don't worry, the U.S. is not the White Walkers here. We're more like the House of Lannisters. The threat of nuclear war and all-out space war those are the White Walkers in Chinese news media coverage of outer space, these zombie-like creatures that might destroy everything if we don't come together. The story of the PRC in outer space, as presented in Chinese news media, is that of a political and military battlefield in which Chinese leadership is building geopolitical alliances, defensive partnerships, and developing technologies in order to protect itself and its allies from mounting global tensions, all while normalizing the usages of outer space. In this story, China is shown as a rising leader among nations when it comes to space, a careful and calculated partner, concerned over possible war and advocating for cooperation, while other leaders of the world turn to reckless action. The PRC is basically Jon Snow uh, from Game of Thrones, young, smart, strong, 
capable, a natural leader, loyal, handsome, you get the idea. Uh, let's move to the next slide. Three words matter the most in this story. Chaos, leadership, and alliance. The grand narrative shows China assuming a leadership role in the space domain amid growing global concern over the militarization of space, nuclear tensions close to the Chinese border, and the potential for open conflict in multiple areas around the world that would threaten Chinese interests and the stability of the global system. That's, that's key. These are chaotic times. And through this chaos, China will forge alliances, leverages technological innovation, and rise as the global leader others turn to. Spoiler alert, the United States is once again cast as the antagonist, but again, in less direct terms. Here the U.S. is the leading instigator in space militarization, but more than anything, it just makes uncalculated, reckless decisions around the, uh, around the world that could lead to conflict. Both the commercial and military narrative elements underscore Chinese commitment to leadership and alliance building. The often referenced BRICS nation blocks of which China is presented as a leader of, will work together to develop peaceful and commercially successful uses of outer space and develop security measures to protect from the outbreak of war over and in the space domain. The commercial narrative elements also highlight Chinese technological innovations in outer space. And let me tell you, they talk about some awesome stuff here. Uh, new EM engines that make it sound like they've built the Starship Enterprise already. Um, they talk about space lasers, new drive capabilities to make space travel faster. Um, they talk about satellite jamming technologies. Um, one thing I will say is that Chinese media did not appreciate how Western media covered their space station burning up over the Pacific. That really threw a kink into some of the story setup, and they really took aim at Western reporting practices um, over the coverage of that space station crashing in uh, to the Pacific. Um, that was a strong Kellen narrative that they had to address. The military narrative element highlights the chaos, drawing out the need for China to develop defensive space weapon capabilities, and the need for it to protect itself and its allies from war spilling over into their areas of interest. The PRC is shown as sort of obligated to build defensive capabilities in outer space in this increasingly unstable political climate, and become the leader and protector that others can turn to. Next slide. So, the issue narrative elements are related to instigations by the U.S. toward a number of nations. It's very similar to the Russian setup, where there's just they, most of the issues that are talked about concern U.S. actions in other areas that may upset or destabilize the global system. Uh, potential nuclear conflict and all-out space war are items that are discussed that set up a number of the key story elements that we've already talked about. The national narrative elements focus on the need to safeguard China and its national interests through defensive capabilities related to space, defense being a key word. Outer space and the military and commercial developments that come along with the process of normalizing space use globally are shown as vital national interests to the PRC. The international system narrative elements highlight China as a geopolitical leader, creating alliances and upholding the peaceful use of outer space amidst the chaos being created by actors such as the United States that are militarizing space doing far too much unnecessary saber rattling. Next slide. So, our story is of the PRC rising. Rising to protect the people from the chaos of the world through military and technological innovation. Rising to meet the challenges presented in the space domain 
by aggressive and reckless actors, rising by taking an increasingly leading role in the global order. The space domain here is simply another example of growing Chinese strength and prominence in a larger global order. Borrowed from Batman, Dark Knight Rises, or the Dark Knight, sorry, not the Dark Knight Rises, the U.S. has lived long enough as the hero to see itself become the villain. China is the hero of the space domain needs right now. Next slide. Before we move on to the concluding remarks, I do want to note that our study also delved specifically into um, the questions presented to the SMA through a direct content analysis of all the news articles. Um, though these results are presented in the reports you received in great detail, I do want to talk about a few things. I think the biggest discussion point from the data is how often operations in the space domain are discussed, as well as the military conceptions of outer space. If you look at the numbers, they really demonstrate um, the space conversations in these two nations revolve around uh, state-led developments in outer space and military concerns. That's almost all they talk about. It's also important to note that when they do talk about uh, that they don't really talk about commercial threats that much at all. It's not really mentioned as a concern. Both Russian and Chinese narratives see space as this untapped marketplace of potential, and they see it as a cooperative one at that when they're speaking commercially. The security concerns related to outer space are that of war and the geopolitical positioning and rising tensions that may lead to war, as well as concern over attempts to control the space domain for advantages in war. This concern of war sets up both stories. Without that concern, these are much, much, much different tales. The commercial side of this, in, in both media, is, is almost whimsical, optimistic, uh, whimsically optimistic how cooperatively they talk about outer space when it comes to the commercial side. Uh, next slide. So what are we to take away from these two stories? There are certainly common elements, external threats of conflict, by an aggressive and reckless United States, presentation of self as a leader and a defender, and it's compromising. But these are very different stories. Russia is one of mustering strength to overcome a system set against it. It's a path forward, path of promise through difficult times. Space is an economic lifeline, a place where Russians have and can win, a place demonstrative of, of its power as a giant killer. China's story is one of assuming leadership to make space and the world and its own borders safer. Space is an arena to continue to build partnerships and offer same alternatives of leadership to that of the United States. Some things to consider here. The presentations of the United States by media in both countries show an aggressive and reluctant to cooperate actor. Both nations focus on non-cooperation and the idea of external threats to justify their goals related to outer space as well as present their weapons and posturing as defensive. And while both present themselves as leaders in outer space and concerned over military threats, both seem to separate the commercial side of outer space out as promising and cooperatively globally. These commonalities, as well as their distinctions in the narrative elements of the stories, offers a more complete understanding of how actions within the space domain are being perceived by the populations of these nations and hopefully offer an opportunity for careful reflection on potential counter and complementary narratives to be used in support of U.S. positions that may put pressure on these states towards greater cooperation. And the final slide. Um, I should point out that these findings mirror trends we've seen in previous studies. 
Uh, Russian news media have focused on redefining Russian identity and future directions amid economic restrictions and a collapse of the promise of prosperity that undergirded Putin's argument for managed democracy. The story of space is a continuation of these attempts and is telling in its willingness to cast the United States as such a central foe. For the PRC, again, this story continues the presentation we've seen in previous studies of China as a new and up-and-coming leader of the global system. The chaos element related to space and China taking a role to mitigate potential war is something more unique to this data set on outer space. Uh, though in our analysis of Chinese news media coverage of the U.S. presidential election, we saw the instability of Western democratic institutions as a key feature. Uh, the story on space here seems to build on and extend that position. Finally, though these are merely stories, these stories represent the groundwork of the shared realities these respective populations may form toward the space domain and provide access to basic elements from which they will hold their governments accountable when and if their governments take action in relation to the space domain. Uh, thank you so much for your time, and I will take any questions that you may have. Okay, thanks, Guy.